Before we get to today's episode of the Locked On Leafs, just want to wish all of our American listeners a very, very happy Thanksgiving. Hope you're enjoying the day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Leafs podcast. I'm your host, Mike DiStefano, joined by my co-host, the Zoobs. Man, a big 6 nothing victory out of the Maple Leafs against the Red Wings tonight. How you feeling? You called it, buddy. Never in doubt on this one. Uh, I did. Yeah. I wasn't going to toot my own horn, but if you're going to go ahead and give me the applause <laughs> for it, I'll take it. I called I it. Was, yeah, I was feeling good when it was 5-0, like <laughs> three minutes into the into the se- uh, second period. Uh, really happy. I, when, when we talked the other day about, you know, in a preview of this game, what we expected to have happen and what we were looking for, it all happened. Shutout, uh, dominant play, top to bottom, never in doubt. I think I saw uh, from my good friend Thomas Williams uh, that they set a lot of a couple of records tonight. It was one of their best games in uh, in years, in one of the best games any team has played in terms of dominance in uh, fifty goals for yeah seventh most of any team in the last two seasons. Uh, X goals for uh, five on five, they four point two nine expected goals. That's one of the one of the best games any team has played wow. in the last two years. Yeah, so. Uh, and it was also like through two periods, it was one of the best games they had played in years already. I think least uh, PR put out uh, 42 shots through two periods, the fourth time that they had ever done that as a team. And they've been around for a long time. So, uh, you know, you mentioned it and I know we're going to talk about it, but you said that this should be Maple Leafs versus an AHL team. And it looked <laughs> every bit of that. They were they were in control. uh you know, just really happy, just really happy, and and one that you could sort of doze off in the third period and you didn't miss a damn thing. Yeah, like, I mean, the fact that they didn't score in the third period, I don't think is anything to say that they kind of took their their foot off the pedal more so that they just wanted the game to be done and over with. Like, it was already over. You know, it was an embarrassing loss for the Red Wings on their home ice, and the Leafs went out there. They dominated the first couple of periods and then just kind of threw the puck around, you know, in the last period and just tried to eat up 20 minutes as as quick as they could. Uh, But an absolutely dominating performance. Freddie Anderson, first shutout of the year. First shutout since November 3rd of 2018. He won a full calendar year without getting a shutout. I found that stat wild to me. That's pretty, that is pretty incredible. Yeah, it would have been disappointing. And they've been close, right? They, they, their first game under Keith, they basically, they they gave it up late, but uh, not not a surprise. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, not a surprise. So, like, Really happy. For sure. And uh, speaking of Sheldon Keefe, the only coach, along with Pat Quinn, to start his Leafs coaching career, 3-0. and Look at that. Great company. So we have tons of stats that, that you know, we're throwing out there. Just a fantastic game by the Leafs in true dominating fashion. And, and, and that's what we said. You know, over the past season it seems like under the Babcock era uh, they were kind of playing to their opponent whether they're playing up or playing down they weren't ever dominating the teams that they should dominate because they were too busy focused playing the their game and today I think that the Leafs played the exact game that they want to play and we now know how dominant they can be when they are playing that way they scored six goals in the opening oh I don't know what was it like 34 minutes of the game like 30 yeah. Yeah, 37. In the first 37 minutes, they scored six goals. 37 minutes in this one, six goals. Insane. Absolutely insane. Sorry, 27 minutes. 27 minutes. That's right, because it was, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, my math is bad. (laughs) But, like, this team is, you know, they got a lot of skill to them, and they went out there today and they showed, you know, what they can do when they 
when they're able to let loose. And that seems to be the biggest difference so far through these first three games. The fact that they're they're loose and they're out there and they're making the plays that we knew they could make that they just weren't for whatever reason, whether you want to you know, chalk it up to Babcock systems or the fact that they were just not playing inspired in order to sink Babcock, whatever reason you want to think about why they weren't doing these things. The fact is they're doing it now and they're mm-hmm. winning games now. They're on a three game winning streak and they're playing hockey that you could see them actually succeeding with, which is something we didn't see about two weeks ago. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, plenty of plenty of really good stuff. I mean, we're going to talk about it, I'm sure, in Good, Better, Best, but uh, Tyson Berry again, oh, three yeah. goals in three straight games, if you can believe it. Well, another uh, kind awesome. of fun stat for Tyson Berry that they said during the broadcast, he's the first Leafs defenseman to score in three straight games, three straight road games, since 2008, or, or 2006. It was 2006. So another, uh, you know, record break, not a record, but something that hasn't happened in a very long time. So uh, a great game by him. Just to kind of get into it a little bit, uh, you know, they scored a minute four into the game and just really kept going. And we got to do an interesting scenario in this game where right before the game, Jimmy Howard ended up being announced as a starter after originally we thought that it was going to be Jonathan Bernier. And I guess he went down with what they were calling the flu and uh, about 10 minutes into the game, after allowing three goals, uh, he decides to pull shoot. Uh, no, he, he got injured, and I think he seriously was injured. You could tell even before that goal and earlier in that play that he tweaked something and just tried to gut it out and ended up allowing uh, the Tavares goal a few moments later. But uh, we almost had to see an emergency backup goaltender in this game. And could you imagine what the score would be if... Bernier, in fact, wasn't able to go, and they had to put in, like, uh, they're a goaltender from, like, Michigan University in there tonight. Yeah, I really thought, I thought there was a, I thought there was a real chance that was going to happen. Uh, that would have been incredible. But, uh, you know, even if, even if Howard had been healthy, I think this is a 6 nothing game, no matter who you put in net. They were, they were just on, on the top of the game the, the whole way. They, they were driving the play the whole way. Could have been anybody back there. And it would have been a big Leafs win. For sure. And, you know, you want to take a look at a, a solid period. That second period alone, I thought, was unreal. They they outshot, uh, I think it was, what, 26? Was it 20? Yeah, 26 to 5. They outshot the Detroit Red Wings. And it just looked like they were on a power play the entire period. Like, they just had... Uh, puck in the offensive zone the whole time and they were just throwing it around you know great passing and getting shots through traffic and getting it on net and you know 26 shots that's that's a, that's a lot of shots in a game let alone a period um, so I thought that the second period that they played was probably the best period that I think we saw out of this Leafs team in a long 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 time yeah I think that's a great I think that's a great point I think it might have been the greatest the, the best period of the season that's, there's a there's a very good uh, chance of that. How much fun is it to get to talk about stats again? <laughs> I know, right? Not just talk about losing and you know starting the second goalie and taking stupid timeouts. Like it's great. And and, and I got some more stats for you. You want some more stats? Keep some, going, some Mikey. Stuff? Keep going. So, something that I when we saw that the the change in coaching happened, we we're like, okay, what's some things that we're gonna see that's a little different? And something that I thought that we were gonna see mainly because I guess. You know, Sheldon Keith came out and said it. Uh, something that Babcock did a lot was, you know, his bottom six, they took the defensive end 
zone starts, his top six to the offensive zone starts, which I guess, sure, whatever, you want to do that, but change it up a little bit. And today, man, you want to take a look at what the fourth line did with some zone starts. Take a guess how many face-offs you think the bottom six took in the offensive zone today. Ooh, uh, not many. Uh, two? Uh, go the other way. A lot. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, well, you know, I guess they were I mean, they were dominant as well. It was a dominant game. The puck uh, was in the offensive zone the whole time, realistically. That's true. So. Yeah. <laughs> 16. 16, man. Yeah, 16, which is something, you know, that number two was pretty much what you saw in the Babcock era, where he would only be playing them in the offensive zone. They would only get to mm-hmm. take, like, one or two face-offs. Uh, but, yeah, 16 draws between Spezza and Freddie the Goat in the offensive zone, which I thought was great. And you take a look at, you know, go up on, on natural stat trick and kind of see, you know, how the Corsi and, uh, you know, some of the advanced numbers look. And I, you know, looked at the fourth line are all up in the 70s for, for you know, their Corsi percentage. And I think a lot of that is because... Well, they spent a lot more time in the offensive zone than they did in the defensive zone. And, you know, Gautier went four for six in the faceoff dot and was able to kind of control the puck, and they were able to get some shots on goal. And I thought that, uh, you know, even straight through lines one through four, defensive pairings one through three, it was an all-around effort and a great win by the Maple Leafs. Amen, my friend. It, yep. it just, uh, it's been it's been an incredible ride the last two weeks, and and. This is the absolute best case scenario for how this would all play out. Uh, really, 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 really exciting time. And, and what an unbelievable shift in tone from the last right? two weeks of show. <laughs> it's just incredible. But now I, I you know, I, looking forward to every game. I, I can't wait to see how they match up against some of the other really strong teams in the league. It's going to be really exciting to see how they play a team that really tests them. Because obviously Arizona had come out to a good start and... And, uh, you know, they've, they've played good teams, but I really want to see how they go up against, you know, a Boston or, or one of the really, really tough tests in the league. I think it's going to be really exciting. Yeah, I mean, they, they got a home-and-home home series against Buffalo later this weekend. They, you know, two that's an opponent that they should be able to win and hopefully come away with a full four points. And then next week on Wednesday and then again on Saturday, they've got Colorado and then the St. Louis Blues. So they do have a couple of opponents that are going to be kind of tough. I know we just saw Colorado over the weekend, um, but this time, you know, we'll have them in the home barn. So that'll, that'll be fun to, to see that once again because that was an, an interesting game. But the St. Louis Blues next Saturday for Hockey Night in Canada, you know, you got to be looking forward to that game. Obviously, I think the game against the Blues earlier in the season was one where the Maple Leafs, I felt, actually looked like a good team. It may have been their best game of the season in the Babcock uh, era, I guess, uh, of this year. And uh, now under Sheldon Keefe, we'll get to see if they can come away with a victory and if they can play any different and play any better. But they're going to have some some good matchups uh, over the next little bit. And, yeah, good point. It's, it's going to be a lot of fun to see how they go up against uh, bigger and better teams. Um, all right, anything else that you kind of wanted to uh, note on about this game before we get to our good betters and bests? No, I'm, I'm ready to get to the. I'm ready to get to it. All right. Uh, coming up next, we'll get right to it on the other side. Hello and welcome back to the Locked On Leafs podcast. Mike DiStefano alongside the Zoobs. Maple Leafs with a 6-0 trouncing on the Detroit Red Wings. There was a lot of good. There was some better. There was the best. 
a lot of bests, I think, in my opinion. <laughs> it was a great game. Uh, for you, who is your good? Uh, I'm going to go with just the start as a good. This is something that we uh, harped on for, I would think, the first two months of the season. But yeah. they were ready to go from the bell. They they scored, as you said, in the first like minute and a half. Uh, there was no feeling out period. There was no, like, they played Detroit earlier in the season and they sort of slept walk through the first little bit and Detroit got on the board and, and there was none of that. This was this was taking care of business from puck drop to final buzzer and I was really impressed with how serious they were out of the gate and how quickly they established they were going to be the better team the whole night. Yeah, and they really had to do that. I mean, they scored a minute four in, Travis Dermott scoring from the point, and then a minute 20 later, Tyson Berry with another shot from the point. And then, uh, you know, just before the halfway mark in the third period, you know, it's 3 nothing for the Leafs, or in the first period, sorry. It's 3 nothing for the Leafs. You can't ask for a better start than that. I totally agree with you. Um, and that's been another big difference that we've seen under Sheldon Keefe that we didn't see with Babcock. Um, just the fact that they're getting off to really good starts and, and they're scoring first. I think they've scored first. In, or in each of the oh, – did they score first in Colorado? No, I think Colorado scored first. I don't know why I can't remember. But, um, <laughs> you know, they're, they're scored, they scored first tonight is all that matters. <laughs> and they've won all three of those games. But, you know, they are scoring is the, the better way, I guess, of saying it because they went on to score, I think, four goals in the first period over there. So, um, yeah, for sure. The start have been way better uh, in under Keefe, and it, and it was great tonight. For me, uh, I got John Tavares. Thought that he had a really good game. Um, you know, I, he was coming in pointless in his last four, I believe I read, which is insane when you think about, you know, he's your captain, a guy who had, you know, close to 90 points last year, close to 50 goals. And, uh, you know, I know he's got his broken finger, and he's still kind of recovering from that. But he had two points tonight, goal and an assist. Almost had a second goal, too, if he would have redirected that uh, that shot from the point uh but i thought that john Tavares had a really good game for him tonight uh what was better for you uh you know i'm, I'm gonna because there was so much good stuff to pick from and, and we could really grab anybody here i just wanted to take a minute talk about uh how re-energized jason spezza has looked yes. underneath sheldon keith uh he's had two primary assists since keith took over uh loved his assist on Janssen's goal i know that was I mean, it was four nothing, so it was you know it wasn't like they were being locked down by Prime Lidstrom, but but still, um, he's shown really looking rein, reinvigorated. Uh, is exactly the version of of himself that I had hoped they would be getting, and when he is playing the way he played tonight and the way he's played the last couple games, when he's doing that in the bottom six, that is a really dangerous bottom part of the lineup. You maybe might be able to catch some teams napping, and there are going to be teams where. You know, his shifts are, are really, really big tide turners in a game where maybe the top lines are battling out even. I've been really happy with Spets and, and really happy to see it happen as well with all the sort of quiet difficulties we saw that ran throughout the year, when it were, whether it was training camp where Babcock was sort of asking whether he wanted to buy in or being scratched on opening night or, or just any of the... You know, he looked a little he looked a little tentative earlier. He looks really confident now and and I'm really, really happy to see it. Totally. You know, he's someone who I didn't expect to, to have a big turnaround under Sheldon Keefe, but he really has. And I'm I'm all for it. It's funny at the beginning of the year when we did our over unders, I think we said what, forty forty one and a half. I think we said about the halfway 
mm-hmm. you know, in you'll play half the games. I think you went under that number, and it really and it looked like you were going to be right based on what we saw at the at the first point of the season under Babcock. But now that Shelton keeps in here, if he could keep this up, I think he's going over. I think he's going to go way over. So, you know, I, I I'm really impressed with with. The way that Spezza has him playing lately, I just hope that, you know, someone who's a little bit older in age, this isn't just a, a little bit of a spurt and that he can keep this going uh, throughout the rest of the season. Um, for me, you know, Tyson Berry, who we talked about already, but again, a goal and an assist led the team nearly 23 minutes of, of ice time. He had six shots on goal. Like He's just playing with so much more finesse out there, so much more confidence. He's got five points in the last three games under Keefe. He's on a five-game point streak. Like This is the Tyson Berry that we thought we were going to get when we first made the trade to bring him in from Colorado. And he was literally days away from requesting a trade out of here. And now I am so happy that that did not happen because he's playing like a man possessed. Like he, This is the type of offensive defenseman that I believe can honestly help carry some offense if a team is struggling. Barry can get it going from the back end and really provide a solid secondary scoring uh, on the nights that some players aren't playing as well. Didn't need it tonight because everybody else was chipping in, but he if he can keep this going um, and play with this kind of swagger the rest of the season, man, is he ever going to have some serious, serious cash coming to him in the summer. <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. yeah, for you. My best. I'm gonna. I'm going with the second period. I thought when when Howard went down after the three nothing goal, and you're looking at, okay, it might be a Scott Foster situation. It might be. Uh, I so we, wish we, we had that. Though. I know we were so close. That would have been awesome. Like a twelve nothing <laughs> game would have been great. Yes, but you know you, you have Bernier come in, and you you know Bernier's feeling sick, and and you have you have, there was a lot of excuses for this team to sort of be like, all right, three is more than enough, and, and we have this in the bag, and, 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 you know, let's, you know, just sort of play some pond hockey. They stayed dominant. They did not waver for a moment. I think Anderson had to make one tough save the whole night. Like, uh, was just really impressed at how they continued to bring it offensively. They continued to, to, to really extend that lead in the second period when they could have, and I think would have earlier this year, tightened up so much that they sort of forgot about that part where, where, where just scoring more is how you hold a lead. But uh, really happy with how they handled everything tonight and just a total team effort, uh, total 60 minutes, uh, really, really giving it uh, the whole way and, and really happy. Yeah, it's a fantastic second period, and I kind of want to change my answer to the second period because that was <laughs> the best hockey that we have seen the least play, like I alluded to earlier. Like, it was just amazing to watch. It was so much fun. Um, but for me, I'm going to go with the you know the Matthews line, Nylander, Janssen, and Matthews. They have really stepped it up as of late. Even before the coaching change, I would say the last maybe two or three weeks, this line you know on a nightly basis, they're starting to become consistent, which is something that the team really lacked early in the year. But now it seems like every single game, I'm coming up with positive things to say about Matthews, Nylander, and Janssen. They seem to be be impressing me. Every single night that they go out on the ice, maybe not every shift, and I'm, I, you know, you can't expect that. But I love what they're doing out on the ice. The way that they're just kind of passing the puck around. You know, they had three goals tonight combined for five points and 15 shots on goal. They're so dangerous in the offensive.
offensive end and the way that they're breaking the puck out and just bringing the puck into the offensive end, the breakouts under Keefe have really improved. I think this line kind of shows what they're able to do with the amount of skill that they have. And then you talk about skill. Both of the goals that Nylander and Janssen had tonight are examples of how much skill they have. Like the great hand-eye coordination it takes for both of those goals to be scored. I mean, Nylander literally batted it out of the air twice. Like, not once, but twice. And then Janssen, that was that was a rolling puck that easily could have just rolled over his stick, but he was able to settle it down and kind of just, just push it into the net uh, for that goal to, to make it 6 nothing. So, you know, I, I just, that, that line continues to impress me on a nightly basis, and uh, I thought that they were the best once again tonight. Yeah, great pick, great pick. Uh, all right, uh, coming up around the corner, we'll... We're going to go ahead and we're going to chat about the Red Wings a little bit because this was an ugly game for them. If we go ahead and talk about the good, the bad, the ugly, the bad and ugly are both going to go on the side of the Red Wings. So it may be time for them to make a coaching change, and we'll discuss why that is on the other side. But first, let me tell you a little bit about DoorDash. Treat yourself to the meal you deserve and have your favorite restaurants come to you with DoorDash. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the promo code Locked On. Listening on the go, if you can't visit DoorDash right now, you can find this and all other offers from the Locked On sponsors at LockedOnPodcast.com slash offers that's doordash for five dollars off your first order of fifteen dollars using the promo code locked on all right welcome back for the third and final segment here of the locked on lease podcast mike DeStefano alongside the zoobs the Detroit red wings just got spanked by our beloved maple leafs tonight six to nothing seven straight losses they're performing very poorly is it time for them to maybe move on from Jeff Blashill, who, coincidentally enough, is uh, is a Babcock protege? <laughs> and uh, is it time for them to make a coaching change? You know, I heard a coach just came on the market who is good at taking bad teams and coaching them up to a playoff spot. What do you think? Mike Babcock Hold back on. in Detroit. No, you are not <laughs> suggesting that. You are no not suggesting that. <laughs> you think you think the bridge is burned? You oh, think that's too far? Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and say that that's that's pretty gone. That's not going to be <laughs> happening anymore. No, no. I, um, you know, I think I definitely think that Babs is the first thing uh, that is going to sort of get people looking around the league now and saying, okay, the Who's Maple Leafs, the Maple Leafs decided that that they're putting up with exactly enough when are you know when are we going to look at our start and say you know is this where we, is this where we want to be is this, is this the direction we want to be in are we aligned top to bottom a big thing that you've heard talked about in Toronto this week is is the alignment from top to bottom and any team that is in a situation where they don't feel like their roster is in line with the way their coach is using them uh you start to look around and you start to say maybe maybe the time is now for us to make a move while, you know, that sort of seems to be, you know, coaches becoming available and, and things like that. So I think it could be because it's been quite a project here in, in, in Detroit and they're not any closer now in my eyes than they were two or three years ago to being a competitive team again. No, and they're dead last in the league, 7-17-3 for 17 points, uh, three points behind uh, L.A. and New Jersey who sit tied for 30th in the league. Um, 
The only thing that I'm curious about Detroit is would it even be worth it? I know that they're they're kind of they're out of it for sure, and this wouldn't be a a season saving move, but it might be a move to try and change the culture in the, in the locker room. Um, it just whatever is going on right now, the message isn't working and it doesn't even seem like they're playing any type of inspired hockey, which I think now (laughs) we have realized can weigh down a team and it can weigh, you know, even if they don't have the skill, uh, I think that they're not as bad as, well, I guess the roster is pretty bad, but I mean, I just, I think that they could probably use a coaching change. Uh, Maybe not now, but Boy, that is not... If I was a Red Wings fan, I would not be happy with with the performance of the team. And I want them to do something. And, Mm -hmm. I mean, selling off at this point, they don't really even have much to sell off. You think about a team that's rebuilding... They want to try and move out some veteran veteran players and some veteran contracts. Well, the veterans that they have are on terrible, terrible deals, and nobody's going to even take them. So it's yeah. they're in a really tough position organizationally. Yeah, and I think that's uh, and you also look at. I mean, they they are in a place where they have new people at the top, right? It's it's Steve Eiserman. It's it's not the people that hired the coach that is currently in there. Yeah, that too. Uh, so that's that to me is a similar situation than you have with Dubas taking over is, is you know that it's not the guy that he wants executing the vision that he is putting together for the team. And and to your point as well, it's not like the team is well built. It's not like they're obviously obviously they're playing poorly, but they're not so drastically underperforming where I There's just no expectations, right? Absolutely right. Um but yeah, I would think that those things combined and, and, and the idea that, you know, it's not the same ownership group or or like front office that was there when this was all put into place i think it won't be long before they find somebody else to to fill that i just can't help but watch that performance and feel like like the 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 players in the locker room having a sort of hopeless feeling like every single night they're going to go out and they're going to get their asses handed to them and mm-hmm. there's nothing that they can do about it and i feel like the coach Maybe ha- I mean, obviously, I don't want to put words in his mouth or in the team's mouths, but it seems like they, they've kind of just accepted that that is going to be their fate for the rest of the season. And I don't know if that's the type of losing culture that if I am Steve Eisman and the Red Wings, that I want around my, my players, and especially the young guys that I'm trying to, to breathe through this organization as we go through a rebuild. Uh, but then again, you know, a lot of times when you get a new GM that come comes into place and they don't fire the coach right away, usually they'll they'll take the whole season to kind of assess things of what's going on. So I don't think a now maybe might not be the right time to fire uh, Jeff Blashill. I think it's more of a maybe an off season thing. But for certainty, I do not expect him to be their coach long term. Uh, he just doesn't seem to be the guy. Mm-hmm. Absolutely um, true. The only thing too that. And this kind of goes out to to all teams, not just in Detroit. I think a reason why we haven't seen any coaching changes so far this year, other than obviously the Maple Leafs, but I think they're kind of a special. Uh, it's kind of a special situation since they had you know a coach in waiting in Sheldon Keefe and somebody that they already had as a replacement. But if you look around the league this year, there's not really anybody to replace a veteran coach because what we saw happen over the off season is a lot of veteran coaches who had some experience in the NHL, head coaching experiences, sign off to be assistants on benches around the league. You know, you got like, um, you know, Dave Haxtall, who's currently with the Maple Leafs. 
Uh, Michelle Terrian ended up joining a bench. You know, um, Mark Crawford is, is is behind the bench somewhere. Paul uh, Paul McLean just got hired behind the bench. I think Glenn Gullitson is is somewhere. So you got a lot of guys who you know in the past. I feel like most head coaches kind of sat around waiting for a new head coaching job to kind of pop up before they would jump to an assistant job. But over the summer, we saw a lot of them jump on assistant jobs, and now. If you're looking to fire a coach and bring in somebody else, there's not really many experienced coaches out there that you can even bring in. Like I'm trying to think of some guys and the two that I kind of brought up that have, you know, been in the NHL as of as of late, but currently aren't with teams, Randy Carlisle and Guy Boucher. You want either of those guys <laughs> to replace your coach and be your guy? Like probably not. No, thank you. No, thank you. So, I mean, if you're, you know, Minnesota or New Jersey or, or any other team that's contemplating uh, making a coaching change, heck, even Calgary, they're, they're days away from having to make a coaching change. You know, is there even anybody externally that makes you think that they're going to be able to kind of right the ship? I don't know if there is. And if that's yeah, the case. It's a great point. We, it's a great point. Yeah, we might not get as many coaching changes as we kind of thought that we would throughout the season. This might just be a lot of teams kind of just going to sit and wait and let the year go by, kind of use it as a retooling season. And then uh, in the off season, when a lot of these assistant coaches are, are available to be plucked, maybe that's when we'll see some more coaching changes. But man, I, I just, it's something that I, I kind of thought about when I was thinking about the Calgary Flames. If they do fire their coach, who, who might be someone that they're interested? I just don't see anybody out there. Like, there's no yeah. one. <laughs> yeah, it's, that goes to show all the more how fortunate uh, the Maple Leafs were to have Sheldon Keefe ready and, and to have somebody waiting in the wings that they were ready to hand the keys to. Very nice. Oh, 100%, because I'm not even sure... Like, let's say they didn't have Sheldon Keefe and they just had some kind of nobody coaching in the in the affiliate ranks. Would you have felt comfortable still, you know, pounding the table to fire Babcock, knowing that the only real change that they could bring in would be to bring back Randy Carlisle or Guy right. Boucher? Like, <laughs> right. I, I, probably not. He's probably still here if that's the case. You know what I mean? Yeah, so absolutely. Like a, a lot of teams are aren't as lucky as the Leafs were in that sense and don't have that coach in waiting. Right. Not that it was luck, though, right? It was also, it was, it was pretty much by design. Yeah, that's true, too. It was by design. I guess other other teams aren't lucky they have such a great general manager like <laughs> Kyle Dubas. Speak on it. We Speak can it. and we will. Little did we know <laughs> that we can and we will also included Sheldon Keefe. Hell yeah. We didn't know it at the time, but now we do. And he's got them all. <laughs> and after a performance like today, it really shows that the Leafs do have the skill to go all the way. And they could do it. They honestly could do it. My hopes are way higher today than they were two weeks ago. About we're back, the Leafs, baby. <laughs> the Leafs playoff yes. odds and even oh, yeah. as a cup contender, potentially. The- they're 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 right there again. It, it's no problem. A couple good games. We and we saw it. We've seen it with Buffalo as well, right? Like these things. We, earlier, two weeks ago, a month ago, we were like, "Oh man, Buffalo out of the gate strong." Even if they normalize, yada yada, they're done. It's they're like the Maple Leafs are already back into third in the division. They're a point back of Florida with only and you know they're they're only one game in hand on Florida. Like they are. Right there again. Uh, it's great. It, it the, the losing streak wasn't so bad, and they got out of it before it really, really became 
a huge problem. And now, and now things are looking pretty good, and things are looking up for yeah, the foreseeable funny. future. It's really funny how the NHL just kind of corrected itself. You know, to start the year, Florida, Toronto, Tampa all kind of started off bad where, uh, you know, Buffalo started off well. And then if you look, you know, in the Western Conference, you know, Anaheim started off really well, but San Jose was really bad. And it seems like everyone's kind of correcting themselves. Dallas even, who's on an absolute tear right now, they were, I think they started the year like 1-8-1 and one or something like that. And now they're 15-9-2. Like they've gone on an unbelievable stretch. And it seems like the NHL is, you know, the standings at least, they're starting to kind of fall into shape more to what we were expecting to see. Even Tampa Bay, you know, they're they're starting to pick it up with a lot more wins as of late. They've got games in hand too to even keep climbing up the, the, the leaderboard here. So, you know, it's, it's good to see that our preseason predictions though they seem like they were terrible at the beginning of the year it seems like things are kind of starting to correct themselves a little bit here absolutely right all right uh i think that's gonna do it for us here today on the podcast like thank you for listening and supporting the show you can subscribe to locked on these podcasts on all podcasting platforms and receive daily leafs content follow the show on twitter at lockdown leafs follow myself at mickey underscore canuck and follow Zoobs at the underscore Zoobs. All right, be sure to check back in here tomorrow for a brand new episode where we chat about all things Leafs. But until then, keep it locked right here on Locked on Leafs.